phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Happy Friday. I'm about to rip that smile right off of your face. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I, this this first hour of the show is it's going to be heavy and you're going to get pissed off. And rightfully so. Uh, we have learned an awful lot about what happened in Texas. All of the horrible rumors that I was making sure to let everybody know we need more information before you, you know, start getting super angry about it. They're all true. Every one of them. This is we have a bunch of dead kids because law enforcement and government didn't do its job. I don't know how else to say it. That's the reality of what we're dealing with again. For those of you who don't remember, you go back to Parkland and what happened in Parkland, Florida. There was a school resource officer there that refused to protect those kids, an armed school resource officer who refused to protect those kids. Other resource officers at the school and other people at that school failed to prevent the, stu- the, the shooter from getting into the school to begin with. They misdirected police. Scott Peterson, who is that deputy who was there at the school, faced criminal charges, was convicted because of this. You've got a very similar situation now. And heads are already rolling. Okay? We've got uh, resignations that have already happened. There will be an investigation. And there... Here's... I'm going to make this as plain as I possibly can. If the Border Patrol didn't show up there, more kids are dead. It's that simple. And I want you to remember everybody, everybody who has demonized the Border Patrol and their job. I want you to remember that Obama disarmed Border Patrol along certain lines of that that southern border. I want you to remember that because they're the ones that showed up and took care of business when business needed to be taken care of. While the local police, some of whom got their own kids out of the school, while local police sat around for an hour and let this kid do what he did and prevented parents from rescuing their own children. I want you to remember that. Biden, Obama, AOC, Pelosi, Schumer, the squad, everybody in Washington, D.C., who has demonized the Border Patrol, they better shut up for a long time. I don't know how many of you have seen the ball cap of the Border Patrol officer who killed the gunman. He took a round to the head, skimmed the top of his scalp. There were other officers who had grazing wounds, but we had heard when we were covering this live that somebody was being treated at a hospital for, for a grazing head wound. That was him. He got shot in the head and took the shooter out. So I'm just letting you know right now. I get it's Friday for a lot of you. It's the last day of school. I'm going to make you angry, but I think you need to hear this. So let's run over what we have. Okay. This is the latest updated timeline. The Texas Department of Public Safety Director, Stephen McGraw. Please remember that this is Texas DPS. Remember this, please. This is very important. He held a press conference today. He detailed the new updated timeline on the school shooting, which happened again Tuesday. The timeline of events, which is something that we had kind of been missing, we had a little bit of information. 
didn't have a ton. My buddy Tony Katz in Indianapolis, he was furious about this this morning because he's like, you know, how is it that we are at the end of the week here and we still don't have a lot of information? What is going on here? And it was a great question for him to ask on his show. So anyway, this is the uh, the post-millennial. McGraw gave a timeline of events, one that has been lacking in the hours and days after the shooting when questions arose as to why officers did not immediately pursue the shooter into the school and attempt to prevent him from killing the 19 children and two women who lost their lives that day. Prior to laying that out, McGraw informed the public that despite initial accounts of the con- to the contrary, there was no resource officer at the school. This was information that we had known before Jimmy Kimmel ran his stupid mouth on his dumb little show. There's no resource officer that is stationed at that school. I know that the first day and early into the next day, we had information that he encountered somebody. Uh, The person that he encountered was was not a school resource officer. That person doesn't even exist at that campus and had to be called in remotely. So they have these floating resource officers, apparently. They have six of them total. The resource officer was shortly called to the scene after the gunman arrived where the officer drove around to the back of the school only to find a teacher. The resource officer, according to surveillance, actually drove right by the gunman. The gunman was hiding behind a vehicle. The officer didn't see him. That resource officer was called to the scene in response to a 911 call. McGraw was not able to say why the officer was not stationed at the school. Again, they have six resource officers that are assigned to the area. The suspect was shooting in between the vehicles at 11.30 a.m. Multiple shots were fired at the school at 11.32. At 11.33, he entered the school and began shooting into rooms 111 or 112. The suspect shot more than 100 rounds based on the audio evidence at that time. At least 100 rounds, he said. The door that the gunman used to gain entry into the school was exactly as I feared. It had been propped open by a teacher. Wasn't just unlocked, it was open. We still don't know why. At 11.35, three police officers went into the school through the same door that the suspect did. These were officers with the Uvalde Police Department. They were later followed by additional Uvalde officers along with the county sheriff. Three officers were shot, receiving grazing wounds. The suspect was inside of a classroom at that time with the door locked. At 11.37, an additional 16 rounds were fired by the shooter. At 11.51, police sergeants and border agents arrived. Shortly after, there were 19 officers in the hallway at the time. So this is before noon. Vortac tactical officers arrived by about 12.15 p.m. Six minutes later, at 12.21, more gunfire. The suspect was believed to be at the door. At 12.50, agents breached the door with the use of a key. They then killed the suspect. So you've got about an hour, okay? Now, I realize that's just a timeline, and some of you are going, okay, that's more information. It's all of the stuff that was happening outside. And it's all of the stuff that was happening in the classrooms from the moment that shots were first fired to the moment they killed the gunman. That's the problem. 
Students made 911 calls from their cell phones during this time. One student called and whispered that she was in room 112. This was at 12.15. Said that there were multiple injured and dead. Another call was made from room 111. The Facebook posts that were mentioned by Governor Greg Abbott initially were actually direct messages stating the shooter's intentions, not public posts. At about 12.45, a student begged 911 to send police in. A minute later, at 12.46, that student said that she could hear police next door, but at 12.50, officers had shot the suspect and were clearing the living living from the, the classroom. When asked why officers did not go in sooner, McGraw with Texas DPS, Department of Public Safety, said that the chief of police was convinced at the time that there was no more threat to the children and that the subject was barricaded and that they had time to organize with the proper equipment to go in. The chief of police has resigned, uh, forcibly, obviously. So the chief of police, according to Texas DPS, made the decision not to rescue kids because the shooter was in a room and barricaded. So they felt there was no further threat to students, except the students that were bleeding out on the floor. That got left out of the press conference, by the way. McGraw said, additionally, law enforcement knows that they made poor decisions. No kidding. He said it was the wrong decision not to enter the school and take out the gunman initially. Yeah. According to multiple sources, the reason they didn't go in is because they lacked a ballistic shield. Um, ballistic shields are great. Don't get me wrong. And maybe if you're a police officer, you invest in one. You can get them privately. Probably worth some pay. I know that they're not cheap. Maybe departments need to provide them for every officer who is anywhere near schools or any public building. I don't know. But this is this is an egregious dereliction of duty. Once again. So because they didn't have a ballistic shield, they waited and waited and waited. Now we get into the the bit that I talked about yesterday. I said, we need more information on this. Police did, in fact, hold parents back. And those parents were desperately trying to go into the school to rescue their own kids, some of which were able to do so. We also know for a fact that many law enforcement officials did go into the school and retrieve their kids. Now, we don't have full context on some of those situations, on whether or not they got other kids in other classrooms out too, or they just went and got theirs and and got them out. We're not sure yet, okay? But we do know that the, the rumors about police refusing to go in are now true. That is confirmed even by Texas DPS. And we also know that they did, in fact, prevent parents from rescuing their own children. Now, I told you yesterday that if you got parents going in and you've got officers in the school, that could lead to a, a terrible situation. I stand by that statement. However, that does not appear to have been a reality based on what was happening inside the school as the situation was unfolding. 
So these videos that are out there of law enforcement detaining parents and pepper spraying parents and things like that now have much more context. So let me just go through a little bit here with what is being reported in the Wall Street Journal. Well, actually, I got to take a break. We come back, I'm going to tell you the what the Wall Street Journal um, has from some of the parents who were detained and some of the ones who did rescue their own kids on why they had to make that decision. We will talk about that coming up, 95.3 MNC. Casey Hendricks. The sacrifice they made to ensure our freedom. I'm Laura Smith. And I'm John Simney. And thanks to all our current military members on this Memorial Day weekend holiday. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget open lines at 4 p.m. Eastern time where you can call about any issue you want. doesn't have to be about this. I know that this is a heavy topic, but you have to get the accurate information as, as fast as we can. We're already way behind because they haven't been getting us that information. Some people on the live stream have pointed out they haven't been getting us that information because they haven't got their story straight yet. That might be true. According to the Wall Street Journal, the shooter was shooting outside the school for 12 minutes before he went into the school. He also didn't encounter a resource officer, which we had mentioned earlier. The shooter began shooting at people after he crashed his grandmother's truck near the school at 1128. A 911 call came in two minutes later at 1130, reporting the shooter. He then climbed over the fence to the elementary school, firing before he went inside at 1140. Police arrived at 1144. The Border Patrol tactical team did not go in until an hour later at around 1240. Local officials said that police were on scene very quickly after he got to the school. And that was something that they were they were really big on telling us at the initial press conferences the day of the shooting was that officers were here within four minutes. What they didn't tell you is that they didn't do anything for an hour. A little bit less than an hour, but ultimately an hour. They, they tried to do something they shot at, and then they decided to regroup and not do anything. In that intervening time, parents who were cordoned off and kept back were frantic at the police failing to go in. They pled with them to go in and said that they would go in themselves. One of the parents, Angeli Rose, uh, Angeli Rose Gomez, excuse me, who had two kids in the school in the second and third grades, said that law enforcement officers handcuffed her for intervening in an interfering in an investigation for urging the police to do something. Quote, the police were doing nothing. They were just standing outside the fence. They weren't going in there and running anywhere. She convinced local police to get the other law enforcement officers to free her. Apparently she was detained by federal uh, marshals. She said it was chaos all around her, that police had tackled one father and thrown him to the ground while a third parent was pepper sprayed. Those are the videos that we were all looking at and going, what's going on here? Gomez, once released, did in fact jump the fence, run into the school, and got her kids out. She also said that she saw a police officer use a taser on a father who tried to get his child from a bus after the shooter had been killed. They didn't do that to the shooter, but they did that to us. She says that's how it felt. A Texas DPS officer, Juan Maldonado, said that he and the husband of one of the teachers who was slain broke their way in to get kids out. He showed the cuts on his forearms from breaking out windows in the effort to do so. There was also a video where a Texas DPS lieutenant at about 1.19 p.m. appears to say that police went in and got their kids out. It's not clear 
who those officers were or if they were able to get out any other kids. So we've got information about law enforcement going in and getting their own kids, maybe getting other kids with them, doing what they can. I need context on that before I'm going to admonish anybody. If you've got DPS officers looking around and seeing the same thing that other parents are and like, okay, screw this, I'm going in. I'm not going to blame them. And, and I'm assuming that anybody who did go in probably went in um, and was able to you know get some other people out. Again, this woman went in, she got her kids, but she didn't seem to indicate that she got anybody else out. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> right, so what we do know, Vanessa, this is what he said. Right now, there were some, off- some police officers, families, trying to get their children out of the school because it was an active shooter situation. That's what he told local, local news. So, again, the context is still missing on that somewhat, but what, what it does show is that the situation was bad enough that even Texas DPS officers felt the need to go get their own kids without waiting for law enforcement to go in, in uh, and take care of the shooter. Texas Representative Tony Gondalas um, walked back a claim that the gunman was arrested four years ago for plotting to shoot up a school. Okay, So he did say that. That went everywhere. He walked that back, just so you know. One of the husbands of a one of the murdered teachers also passed away from a broken heart. His name was uh, Joe Garcia. His wife, Irma Garcia, was one of the two teachers who was killed in the massacre. He had a heart attack, um, I think, yesterday, and he did pass away. The mother of the shooter has begged forgiveness for the actions of her son. She asked people not to judge him, uh, leaned on her faith, that sort of stuff. So... Look, I, there's there's a lot to be angry about here. I mean, there really is. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, the chief of police has resigned. There's going to be a full investigation. Everybody who walked up to the podium at that press conference today was basically telling everybody, we suck at our job, and we failed here. So the last two big elementary school shootings that we had, Parkland and Uvalde, all involved officers not doing what they should have done. It's real easy to say, hey, they've got families too, and you got to wait for the ballistic shield or whatever. Folks, we are sitting here. There's 20 officers in the hallway. 20 officers in the hallway for 45 minutes. And they didn't do anything for 45 minutes. They were in the hallway outside of that classroom. And the only thing preventing them from going into that classroom was the door was locked. So tell me again how putting locks on every classroom door isn't going to improve security for children in our schools. If it held 20 police officers at bay for 45 minutes, imagine what it could do to an 18-year-old gunman. Got a lot more to discuss, a lot more to talk about. Open lines at 4 o'clock. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impressed Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Michiana's breaking news and what... The first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson.
Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can follow me online, brand new, at Truth Social. Go to truthsocial.com. Follow me at Casey, the host. Anybody can join Truth Social now. So if you've been waiting because you don't have an iPhone, you can now join. So all you got to do is go to truthsocial.com. You can follow me at Casey, the host. Also, go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host, and hit that subscribe button. Okay. The jury has now begun deliberations in the Sussman trial. He is the Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer who's been accused of lying to the FBI. Um, it looks like a slam dunk case. If he isn't convicted here, there's some real probes that need to happen with the jury. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, the fate of Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman is now in the hands of 12 jurors who will decide if he lied when pitching to the FBI in 2016, a false story about Trump-Russia collusion. Remember, I think one of the funniest moments, although it's a serious moment, I think one of the funniest moments in the trial was when his defense team basically made the case that he didn't do what he's accused because he did what they accused him of doing. It was the weirdest thing, but they did. And when I, I did the topic, the first time I said it, I'm like, nobody's going to believe what I'm saying here. They're not going to understand it. So I did it again. And like one more time after that, just to repeat myself. So everybody kind of got what was happening because it's just a, it's such a bizarre defense. Like we're innocent of what they're accusing us because we did this thing which is what they're accusing us of doing. It's just very strange, but that's what his defense team did. The jurors began deliberations today. They will mull evidence and testimony for more than 20 witnesses presented over the past two weeks in federal courtroom in Washington. Uh, the FBI witness that couldn't remember anything was certainly very interesting. Um, we, we certainly have a dishonest witness. There's no doubt about that. Upon sending the jurors to review the case, the district judge, Christopher Cooper, reminded them to reach a fair and just uh, justice verdict based on the evidence. That's what he said, fair and justice verdict. So obviously going into Memorial Day, um, the closing arguments, you know, today, uh, the prosecutor basically painted Sussman as somebody who had schemed and lied, manipulated the FBI, uh, all in an effort to smear Donald Trump and was doing this as a paid operative of Hillary Clinton's campaign. Now, when you look at some of the other stuff that happened at the trial, I mean, there was, <laughs> folks, there was a witness who straight up testified and said Hillary Clinton herself personally signed off on this operation. Wow. So... <laughs> Usually what you have is somebody working or the henchman or henchwoman in Hillary's case. You had one of each. Usually that's what happens. But this witness said, no, no, she knew this was happening. She signed off on it. That's a, that's a doozy. Okay. Durham also dropped a bombshell a couple of days ago, um, beginning of the week, that he basically said that the FBI lied about Hillary Clinton and how Hillary Clinton supplied the evidence that was being used against Donald Trump. At the trial of Michael Sussman, this is uh, going back a few days, another week on Monday, with more witnesses being called as special counsel John Durham continues to build his case against the former, uh, former Hillary Clinton lawyer. 
Sussman is charged with lying to the FBI, yada, 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 okay? Apparently, Sussman and Hillary Clinton, by proxy, weren't the only ones lying. According to documents presented by Durham, the FBI themselves lied about the Alpha Bank smears uh, provenance. Okay, so we always we already knew that there was no such thing as a Donald Trump Alpha Bank connection. It never existed. There was no secret back channel or anything like that that they uh, tried to claim. It was all a giant lie that dominated the headlines for months and months and months. There's still some people out there who believe this, but it never actually happened. And that's because this was all manufactured by the Clinton campaign. So the FBI themselves even lied about the evidence in the Alpha Bank connection with Trump, telling agents that it had come from the Department of Justice. So the FBI lied to their own agents and said, this information that we have came from the Department of Justice, only it didn't come from the Department of Justice. It never came from the Department of Justice. In reality, Sussman brought it directly to the FBI. Now, remember, um, the the defense that Sussman has tried to use from the very beginning before they finally just admitted that they had done this was that, yes, I worked for Hillary Clinton. Um, yes, I brought this information that Hillary Clinton apparently signed off on to the FBI, but I didn't do it with her knowledge. I did it as a private citizen, not somebody working for the opposing political campaign, which, again, nobody's going to believe, Right. I've actually heard a couple of people go, that's going to be very difficult for anybody to disprove. No, it isn't. Nobody's going to buy that this person did this without talking to their boss who is in the middle of a campaign. That's not going to happen. So, and now you got a witness saying that Hillary Clinton specifically and directly signed off in this operation, that she was well aware of it, she was looped into it, that this was not a surprise or anything that had been hidden from anybody. So again, the FBI lied to agents saying that the evidence came from the DOJ when in fact it came from Sussman, who worked for and was paid by Hillary Clinton. Uh, with the leadership being aware of its origins as badly uh, as badly done political opposition research. Okay, that's the uh, the the line here in Red State. So here's the here's the article from the New York Post. FBI agents probing since debunked claims of a secret back channel between Donald Trump and a Russian bank believe that the allegations had originated with the Department of Justice. So again, FBI agents thought that it became it, it came from the DOJ because they were told it came from the DOJ by FBI leadership when in fact they came from Hillary Clinton campaign attorney Michael Sussman who had shopped them to the bureau's then general counsel just days earlier. In the latest revelation to emerge from Sussman's trial in DC federal court on account of lying to the FBI, special counsel John Durham's prosecutors revealed that investigators had received an electronic communication citing a referral from the DOJ on or about September 19th, 2016, the same day Sussman met with James Baker, which was then the FBI's top lawyer, and that's where the, the transfer happened. So they fabricated a DOJ connection. In order to, to lie to the FBI agents who are going to be tasked with investigating this thing, remember, leadership knows that there's a lot of, of folks in the FBI who weren't on board with this stuff. They had already received pushback on several other cases. Ultimately, the only reason that we know that Michael Flynn is an innocent man was because FBI whistleblowers finally came forward and said, look, none of the stuff they're saying about Flynn is, is correct. They're the ones that got the information out there. And then from that, it was Judicial Watch that got the FOIA request, which proved that, that uh, General Flynn was innocent and that it was a complete fabricated story. So this is, this is a big stuff. So the jury's out deliberating right now. Who knows how long it's going to take, but... The evidence has been almost Johnny Depp-like conclusive. 
very, very conclusive that this guy not only is guilty, but did all of this because Hillary Clinton, his employer, wanted him to. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Till nine on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. So I think it was this week that I told you that I really love stories where people claim, yes, it was. It was Tuesday because it was this, this segment right before the breaking news of the shooting in Texas. We're talking about Walmart. Publishing, not publishing, that doesn't make sense. Putting out Juneteenth ice cream. Remember that? And then a bunch of people who are race baiters decided to go out there and say that Walmart had stolen the flavor red velvet cheesecake from a black-owned ice cream company, even though the recipe for red velvet cheesecake ice cream predates the existence of said company. And if said company was using red velvet anything, they would technically be culturally appropriating from white people who invented red velvet in Victorian England and first published a recipe in the joy of cooking by a white woman. If we're going to play this game, let's play the game. But Walmart being weak and pathetic acquiesced. They pulled the ice cream off of the shelves. They'll probably sell it somewhere in some third world for, for, uh, for a bargain. But I love these stories because when you claim that they're they're culturally appropriating something and what ends up happening is most of the time people who claim cultural appropriation, they themselves are appropriating something and they're usually wrong anyway. For example, San Francisco school district has dropped the word chief from job titles over Native American sensitivities. Okay. I mean, you're in San Francisco. You're not that far away from Native people. You could actually go to a reservation. I know that's a very uncomfortable thing for white liberals to do, but you can go to a reservation and actually ask them what their Native tongue is for leader because it's not chief. That is a white word. <laughs> you know where it comes from? Ben, you have any idea where chief comes from? It comes from the 1300s. It's actually from Old French, and it was borrowed from that language. Uh, from uh, to be in uh, Middle English. And you know how you have chefs in a kitchen? That's where this all originates from. Chief just means head. Like, that's like you're the head. Like, head chef, you know, your chief, that sort of thing. It basically means leader, okay? And what's interesting about this, um, it, it all derives from Latin and everything else. But, you know, you're not going to find anybody in San Francisco who is actually going to take five minutes before they do an entire policy change like this to even look up the history of the word. Like, why would you bother looking up the history of the word? What they should be doing technically, if they were really concerned about cultural appropriation is going to every native American tribe and saying, Hey, stop calling the heads of your tribe chief because that comes from Latin, (laughs) but they, they won't. And that would be absurd. Obviously. Uh, San Francisco Unified School District announced on Wednesday that the word chief will be removed from job titles. The district, which serves more than 10,000 students across the city, claims that it's insensitive to Native Americans. It's not a Native American word, and it predates white people even knowing about Native Americans by hundreds of years. 
While there are many opinions on the matter, our leadership team agree that given the Native American members of our community have expressed concerns over the use of the title. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. Find me one Native American who's expressed concern about that, and I will show you a really pasty white person trying to pretend to be Native. That Not that white people can't be Native. They certainly can. I know some of you don't like hearing that, but that's true. I know somebody who is Native, card-carrying tribal member, is one of the whitest people I know. True story. So, um, by changing how we refer to our division heads, we are in no way diminishing the indispensable contributions of our district central service leaders, they said. (laughs) It's it's not even where it comes from. So, if you look it up, if if you're at all curious... um, Circa 1300 means head, leader, captain, the principal or most important part of anything. It comes from Old French. And um, it it converted over into being chef later on. But its origins are from vulgar Latin. So really, the word chief is Latin. Used by Europeans, but it has, has nothing to do with Native Americans. But, you know, hey. Whatever makes you liberals in in, uh, San Francisco feel like you're actually accomplishing something. Because you're not accomplishing much else with the rest of your city because everybody's moving away from it. So I guess if it helps you sleep at night, you go ahead and pretend that a word that comes from Europe is somehow offending Native Americans. It is open lines. The Glass Doctor of Elkhart and St. Joseph County phone lines 574-2595-953. That is 2595. 953. We'll take those calls next on 953 MNC. WTRC FM and HD1. Niles, South Band, L. Commercial Electrical Done Right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Pretty excited. Got uh, Representative Jim Jordan coming to town tomorrow. The St. Joseph County GOP Lincoln Day Dinner. I'll be the MC of that event. So if you're going to be there, uh, looking forward to uh, to all of that. We've got other events coming up. We go freedomsystem.org on the 4th. You know, we've got uh, an opportunity to raise money for local veterans. We need your help with that. It includes a silent auction, dinner, some cocktails, uh, a lot of fun. Plus, you're helping local veterans. Go to freedomsystem.org and reserve your ticket to come to dinner and, and enjoy with us on the 4th. All right. 574-2595-953. That is 2595-953. You can also hop onto the live stream on rumble.com slash Casey the host. You can uh, hit me up there. You can follow me on, on Truth Social at Casey the host as well. Let's open up the phone lines. Lee, welcome to the program. Your first at bat. Well, good afternoon, Casey. Hi there. On this uh, observance of a Memorial Day. We cannot forget. We have to say their names. All gave some. Some gave all. You know, we have to add the name of Indiana's U.S. Marine Corporal. You, I can't say it. Huberto uh, Sanchez of Logansport. And so he was one of the 13 that were killed uh, in Afghanistan last August. 
So for this Memorial Day, you have to add uh, his name to Indiana's uh, bravest that gave their all. Amen to that. Lee, Lee, you have a wonderful weekend, man. Appreciate it. Yes. All right. Take care. All right. We have Paul. Welcome to the program. Hey, Casey. How you doing today? Doing well, man. What's up? So let's just flip the script. How about we just agree that we just don't refer to any Indians as chiefs. They are the head of the tribe. If that's not good enough for them, we'll just rename everybody else head of the tribe. <laughs> and therefore, let's dissolve the name chief. We'll beat them at their own game. Flip the script on those libtards. You know, this is the this is the thing too, and I, I'm willing to bet. I'm too lazy to go look, but I'm willing to bet. Like if I dove into the individuals who made this change, they're going to be pasty white liberals. They almost always are. Very rarely, you'll get like a, an ultra left wing black liberal that'll go along with this. But most of the time, they're just pasty white liberals who are you know trying to virtue signal and, and that sort of stuff. But you know, I, I've talked about this for years. I said I've had family who lived on the reservation. You know, Native Americans are furious about this type of stuff. They're not advocating for it. They're angry about it because they're being systematically erased from our society. And all of the rich cultural things that exist in all of their cultures that we have absorbed as a part of Americana are now being kind of erased. And it's it's very upsetting to them. They feel like it's happening to them again. And, and maybe that's why they're offended by the word chief, because they don't consider themselves chief. So maybe we just <laughs> that, all stop using it and hey, get along. That would be one thing. It would be one thing if, if uh, you know, if, if any, I don't think any Native American is offended by this, but it would be one thing if one of them came out and said, look, stop calling us chief, okay? That's a white title. They call us something else. I mean, that would be okay. I would be okay with that, but, you know, God forbid. I, I would forbid. be fine with that. Hey, the man with the headdress, come over here. Yeah, is some, whatever they're <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, find some universal term that they all used amongst each other, if there is one, and we'll use that. It's fine. But, uh, yeah, it's just bizarre, I... man. All right. Well, man, all right. have yourself a great weekend. You Happy too. holidays. You too. All right. What do we have here? Uh, Lynn, welcome to the program. Hello, Casey. How are you? I'm well, man. How are you? All right. Um, so recently I read a story that the Biden administration was planning on uh, changing the rules so that USCIS personnel officers who typically would review visa applications to review asylum requests instead of judges. And then I found that uh, this morning uh, the processing time changed from 10 and a half months to 13 months and moved my case back once again for the fifth time. And so then I looked on that story up and it turns out 14 state attorney generals are suing the administration for doing that. Mm. Uh oh, you put Lynn on. You screen Lynn again. You put him on hold or something. Hold on, Lynn. If you can hear me right now, hold on. Simple, simple mistake there. All right, Lynn, we got you back. We got you back. Yeah, okay. I'm not so sure where you. Where fif- you cut fifteen, off fifteen attorneys general are suing the federal okay. government. Yeah, fourteen are suing to stop that from happening, saying it's a threat. You know, it's not good. That kind of thing. I read through the brief and doesn't say anything about how it affects anybody else. In my case. The uh, processing time changed from 10 and a half to 13 months. So it's the fifth time that has been changed in the past year waiting for my wife's visa. And so I called the attorney general's office of Arizona to see if they could give me information. I gave them my information. So if they want to talk to me, but it's obviously they're already doing it because that's why they changed the processing time again to account for them doing other things besides processing visas. Um, So, 
I emailed uh, Senator Todd Young's office asking, hey, come on, what, what's going on? This is ridiculous. This is unacceptable. And all I got was a standard re- email back, and I've been asking to talk to this guy for six months, and he won't return a call. He won't call me. So I had no faith in Todd Young at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know what else to do, but I'm going to start looking at, I don't care, TikTok videos, YouTube. I don't care. I'm going to find some way to get my message out because I'm sure I'm not the only person that's having to deal with it, and it's ridiculous. You know, I wanted to go see to that uh, Jim Jordan thing, but it was just too expensive. Yeah. I'm paying for myself, and I'm, I'm paying for my wife's rent and stuff over there. So I'm paying sure. for two households, and it's just taking forever. And then there's always going to be something else, right? Well, what's the story now? Well, they're going to change it again for something else. Well, so and, and how how long have you been married? Because I, I think that this is important that people understand, too, that you guys are actually married. Yes, we had a Buddhist marriage ceremony uh, April 18th in 2021. Okay. And then the embassy in Bangkok closed all appointments so we could not get a piece of paper translated to get a marriage license okay. so we had to file for a fiance visa which they they received june 3rd of 2021 at that time it said six to eight months to process and it's been changed five times now it's, it's 13 months and they still have not reviewed my visa application mm. yeah this is this is messed up but I mean, there's yeah. a lawsuit at least I'm, happening. Does that lawsuit have any hope of any of potentially helping you in any way, even if it isn't the Indiana Attorney well, General who's involved with it? Right. Well, if they stop them from doing it, then these guys have supposedly will have more time to do what they're supposed to be doing. Okay. But you know how the government is. Once they get money, taxes, whatever, they never give it back. They're not going to necessarily change that time back. But right. who knows? Yeah. Well. I mean, this. yeah, I hate hearing this case, but, I mean, I appreciate the updates because that's, you know, I can speak to Representative Jordan about it, maybe. We'll see how much time I have actually with him, but I don't know that he's sure. going to be able to well, do you anything have, either. No, but at least you can make people aware. That's it. If nobody knows about something, then nothing's ever going to get done. But you have my contact information. Please feel free to share it with whoever you want. Sure. I don't care. I'll talk to anybody. Yeah, So no problem, ma'am. All right. All right. You have a nice holiday weekend. You too. I appreciate your help. No, no problem. Best of luck. All right. We got more coming up. Open lines again. The Glass Doctor of Elkhart in St. Joseph County phone line 574 2595 That is 2595 You can talk about anything you want. It doesn't have to be what happened in Texas. I know that we started the show pretty heavy today, but you can talk about anything that you want. We're happy to take those phone calls in the order that we get them. And we'll take more of those calls next on 95.3 MNC. Casey Henry. All the top local stories at 953mnc.com. I'm Laura Smith. And I'm John Simney from Michiana's Morning News on 953mnc. Air travel is up 25% from last year, according to AAA. Yeah, that's what happens when you let people out of their houses. They tend to migrate. It's, it's, it's funny watching everybody just kind of promote this stuff as if it's like, some economic news or something. 574 25 95 95 3. That is 2595 953. Give us a call. Whatever topic you want, we'll answer in the order that uh, that we get them. I think we have one line open, so there's plenty of space and time right now if you want to go ahead and call. We'll be happy to get you on. Uh, Robert, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. What's up? Okay. I had a comment on the school shooting. Okay, um, I'm a veteran, and I taught high school for 14 years in South Bend. Okay. And 
I think what would work, high school I, I was at, they had security cameras, uh, either six or eight of them, basically in each hallway focused on the doorways. But the problem was everybody says, well, the doors have to be locked down. The problem was the kids would open these doors up for anybody, and I've seen them do it. Mm-hmm. They would just open them up, let anybody walk in. And I know people say, well, you got to secure it. Well, you can't chain them for obvious reasons. Right. Okay. The other problem was you had one SRO, that's fine, but you have enough veterans and uh, ex-police in the area that I think people would volunteer to come in there and maybe spend a day or two rotating shifts. And you basically, you have one person monitoring the videos and basically the other one roams the hall and you do either one hour on, one off, or two on, two mm-hmm. off. But the problem we had in our school was those monitors weren't watched constantly. You know, it just occasionally somebody go and look at the monitor. The only way you're going to secure those doors is somebody's watching those monitors constantly and somebody patrolling the hall. And the other thing is, the school I was at for a couple of years, they tried them um, uniforms, and they get away with them. People hate the kids hated them. Some uh, parents did. Mm-hmm. The thing with the uniforms is, or a dress code, how we wanted to term it, is if somebody came in the school and they weren't in the uniform, they stuck out like a sore thumb. Yep. It immediately became obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it usually when a when a public school converts over to uniforms, it usually takes several years for that to be kind of accepted. And it's, I'm always amazed at how many soccer moms who love wearing their low-cut blouses while they're recording TikTok videos waiting to pick up their kids to get uh, clout from strangers. I'm amazed at how many of them get really upset and offended on behalf of their kids. Their kids have to wear a uniform because uniforms have been proven to improve discipline, improve grades, and improve campus safety, just like what you're talking about. Somebody comes on campus without that uniform, you know exactly that they don't belong there, and it's immediate, and you can respond to that. And whether it's just you know somebody wandered onto campus or a relative, or if it's a threat, you're able to identify that much quicker. And it's cheaper to put them in a uniform because you're not competing with other students. Yeah, it is. Them, it right? is cheaper. You're yeah, you're absolutely right. It is much cheaper. I know. I, I've actually heard a couple of parents complain about the cost of it. I'm like, come on, you got to buy like four outfits at the beginning of the year. You'll be fine. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah. and, but the but thing is, I think there's enough retired military and police out there who would volunteer to do that patrol. Yep. But it's not going to do any good to have monitors on the hallway if nobody's watching the monitors. Yeah, and, and luckily we've got new surveillance where you don't even need somebody to go into a room and, and monitor them. I mean, it's all wireless now. I mean, you could have, you know, several people, faculty, the principals, counselors, your resource officers and everything just getting that signal beamed into their cell phone. You know, they can they can be off doing other things and still be able to watch any and all of those cameras right from their cell phone. It's an it's an easy system that I mean, I use that on my my house. You know, everybody's basically got that now for home security. So just use it on a school system. You don't have to worry about somebody sitting in a chair and falling asleep or missing something or having to come back and occupy a room. So, I mean, now you could have it to where you have multiple eyes watching the monitors at all times throughout the day. And I and I do know when I was teaching. I was fortunate enough there was two teachers, myself and one other, and we always had a plan. Of course, he was prior; uh, he was veteran also. And my classroom was from my classroom to the parking lot to where my car was at. I, I could be there in under five minutes. Mm-hmm. And we always had a plan that, and if the school knew I did this, they would have fired me immediately. But I kept a gun in my car. Yeah. Yep. 
and I was going to make, and we were going to get to that gun. And the other guy was going to pass it up through the window to to my to me. And basically, I'm not hiding underneath my desk. I'm not going to cower in the corner. I'm, I'm not or throw soup cans, what have you. Yeah, soup can. That's some good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, you know, it's there's a lot of ideas. There's this has been brought up many times before. Actually, some dads did this not that long ago, a couple of years ago. There was a shooting, and um, some dads showed up, and they were armed, and they showed up at various schools around the area that had received threats. And you know, they everybody was safe. Everybody was happy about it. Nobody was weirded out by this. It was just concerned dads. Some of them were veterans. Some of them weren't, but they were armed and. You know, they showed up and, and they were out front and they, they sh- had a show of force and people appreciated that. You know, it, it, here's the, this is this is just a basic fundamental thing. Why don't we protect our kids like we protect our politicians? It's just dumb. Every politician wants to make sure that they're in a secure building with armed armed security and we don't do that for children. It just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, get it that in the Midwest, there's a lot of places that don't have armed security. They're not used to it. I grew up with armed police officers all over my schools. I assure you, it's not traumatizing or going to negatively affect the psyches of the kids in any way, shape, or form. And my other quick comment is on the police, their local police. These guys, the local police, they're not trained in how to breach a building. You know, look at the, what happened in Fallujah. If you had a squad, of course, you're not going to have Army, Marine. Those guys would have been in five minutes or under. They don't have any special gear or anything. Mm -hmm. They're just not trained in how to do this. And I think also what happened is you had several agencies out there, and everybody's looking at each other, well, who's in charge? And nobody's doing anything. That that very well could be. We don't have the details of the command structure that was set up there. Um, We know that marshals did do some stuff, and then other agencies did other things. You know, we're still waiting for all of that, but... You know, if if you're at a point now where your your police officers don't know how to get into a locked door, your department is failing. That is a that is a basic skill of law enforcement that you should know. And for for any department to not drill in that, I'm sorry that that is a failure of leadership in that department. So if they're not trained, that's that's leadership's problem. They should be trained. And you know, to the officers out there who may not be getting certain types of training, you got to take it upon yourself to get it. You know, I know a lot of people who train law enforcement. I've had Tommy teach on this show a lot of times. You know, he and in, in, uh, Fortress Defense, they travel the country, and they train law enforcement in, in advanced tactics. And a lot of those police officers pay out of their own pocket to take those classes so they have those skills should something happen. A lot of departments can't afford to do it or won't do it. So, you know, officers are going to have to take some of this into their, their, own, their own hands. You know, ballistic shields. They waited because they didn't have a ballistic shield. You can buy a ballistic shield now. They're not cheap, but they're not the most expensive thing in the world either. And, you know, you can get one. And that if you have that in your trunk, imagine the lives you could save in an emergency where something like that does come up. You can't, you can't, wait, to, you can't wait around for the tactical unit to no, show up. No, you can't. You can't. You've got, you've got to go now. All right, Robert, I appreciate it, bud. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Bye. take care. But, um, yeah, it, it's – and like I said, we're still waiting for a lot of stuff. Um, I know that, you know, kids will open the doors and things like that. In this particular situation – you know, most of those doors are automatic closing and automatic locking. Like we had a lot of that stuff too. And in my junior high school and my high school where there's just doors everywhere, you know, because of your fire escapes and all that stuff, but they all closed and locked automatically. And this, this was propped open by a teacher and we still don't know why, you know, maybe the air conditioning was broke, you know, and maybe they had to air it out. It's hot in Texas. That's possible. 
You know, maybe that's the situation. We don't know why the teacher propped it open. At this point in time, there isn't any reason to attack whoever the faculty member was that opened the door. It's just because we don't know the circumstances. But, you know, I've told you before, my mom risked going to jail by getting me to a different school. And the reason that she got me to a different school is the school that I was zoned for uh, was across the street from a ghetto. There's drug deals happening outside. And there's only one actual building, and the rest were portables. You know, those little trailers, like FEMA trailers. And those didn't have any air conditioning in it. In, in Las Vegas, so, <laughs> we're like, well, we're not going to stick you in the middle of the desert uh, with 120 degrees outside with no air conditioning. That's that's not going to be conducive to your environment at all. So, you know, those, those classrooms, though, those, that door was open all the time. So maybe it was an air conditioning thing. I don't know. But it clearly was a huge mistake. And we need more answers. But the answers that we got today were not good. MNC News Time is 431. More open lines coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Check out Impress Jewelry Creations online at impressjewelers.com. From the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Now, oh, Alyssa acts like I've never said that in front of her before. I have done, I, you have heard me say that many times. Oh, you don't listen to me. So you come, she's not my producer anymore. She just comes in because she's taking a break. And, and apparently I blushed her out of the room. And I'm like, you've heard me say that like a million times. She goes, I never listened to you when I was in here. <laughs> All right, back to the phone lines we go. 574-2595-953. That is 2595 nine five three frank welcome to the program hey casey how you doing today doing well what's up well i wanted to make a quick comment on the uh, texas school shooting hopefully um this isn't beating a dead horse but um i'm going to hit it from a little bit different angle uh, what i'm going to say might throw people for a loop but i'll defend it and then i'll get out of the way so you can uh, respond okay um i i've read and listened to many places today people talking about how the police and it larger the government failed in a duty. Um, I just want to make sure that as we go forward in this discussion and everyone, um, you know, discusses different possible solutions or uh, preventative measures we can take, that we remember that there have been multiple court cases, including Warren versus District of Columbia, and then the New York subway stabbing where two police officers watched the victim be stabbed from behind a door and did nothing. But the courts have affirmed multiple times that the police and the government at large has no duty to protect you as an individual. So while there are plenty of law enforcement officers that are fantastic human beings and would willingly jump in front of danger to protect their fellow human being, it's not something we can legally expect. It is up to us as a citizen to take care of business. The police, really their job is to mop up the aftermath and investigate and prosecute. All right. Fair enough, Frank. Appreciate the call. Thank you much. Yep. Yep. It's, um, you know, and again, it depends on like some of the circumstances. So it, as we get more details, and that's why I point back to Scott Peterson, not the guy who murdered his wife, but Scott Peterson, the school police officer in Parkland, Florida, because he was charged and he was convicted because he did various things that were considered a dereliction of duty. Um, and that's, you know, it's it's going to depend. But generally speaking, and, and this is why when you go, when you look at the live stream, you go to the very top, the very first comment that I posted before we went live, is basically you're on your own. They're not going to save you. You have to save yourself. But this is the this is the mentality 
of really anybody who is pro-Second Amendment. We already know that we can't rely on the government. If the government does come, that's great. That's wonderful. That's icing on the cake. But we have a duty to protect ourselves and our own. And the Second Amendment grants us that right to have the tools to be able to properly do that. And there are those who are trying to take that away from you. You know, you have a lot of sheriffs around this country who have repeated that. And, and one uh, who's you know not a sheriff anymore, he's on the commission now, but Brad Rogers, he said the same thing. You know, we're not going to be able to get there in time most of the time. You are, you are on your own until we do get there. And when we get there, you've got, you've got us. We're going to be there and we're, you know, we're going to go to bat for you. But until that happens, you are on your own. What we'll have to find out, because this just hasn't been really evaluated yet, is to what extent was there a dereliction here? Um, and, you know, those court rulings aside, there's still situations where law enforcement has been prosecuted and convicted for not rendering aid to people who are in, in desperate need of it. And I'm, I'm sorry, there's gonna, it's going to be a tough case for you to be able to, uh, to walk into court and say, hey, these 20 officers for 45 minutes in the hallway refusing to render aid to these students is somehow not neglectful. Now, it's already taken the scalp of the uh, the police chief. He's resigned, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But ultimately, in spirit, I agree with that premise. You're responsible for yourself. You've got to protect yourself. You can't rely on anybody else to get there. If they do, that's great. But sometimes when they get there, they still don't help you. You know, you have to keep that in mind, too. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And, I mean, it doesn't help, too, that you have the, uh, the DPS from Texas also saying that, hey, we, we made major mistakes here. We made the wrong decisions, and that's going to play out in court as, as well. So, I mean, any any civil lawsuits obviously will be settled, I think. But uh, if, if there's going to be any criminal, and I don't know that there's going to be, but if there's going to be any criminal cases, there's going to be a lot of evidence mounted against whoever made the decisions not to help. Uh, Bina, welcome to the program. Hi, Casey. Hello. Okay, this is not about the shooting in Texas. That's fine. I, it's open lines. Uh, you can talk about whatever you want. Okay. I want your opinion after I say what I'm going to say. Okay. Um, ever since Joe Biden took office, all I've been hearing about is let's wait for the midterms, wait for the midterms. But I guess my thing is, is that um, do we really think the Dems are that stupid that they don't have after everything that has happened after illegally taking the 2020 election and we know that that happened mm -hmm. that we think that there's something up their sleeve prior to the midterm elections so this is a question i actually get this semi-frequently so let me let me do a couple of things here can you count on the Democratic Party to have a scheme every single election? Absolutely. They've always had one. There's always been a scheme. As long as I have been an adult, there's been a scheme in the Democratic Party to win elections. Um, most of that is focused on local stuff, but they always have some kind of a scheme. And oftentimes it's not just the same old platitudes and everything else, but uh, monkeypox is a part of that. Guns are going to be a part of that. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to prove that gun thing again. It, you know, you're, you're already seeing some pushback from some former, you know, anti-gun activists who, again, had to buy guns because police officers abandoned them during COVID. So 
I, I think it's going to be a difficult case for them, especially in the midst of, hey, we're sending guns to Ukraine so the citizens can be armed, but you're telling us that we can't be armed. That doesn't make any sense. So it's going to be a tough one for them. But yeah, do I assume that they're scheming? Sure. But what I can tell you is that, you know, about half of the country has shored up its election laws so that the schemes that happened the last time that the Democrats tried to make permanent won't happen in their state again and that there will be more fair elections. Does that mean it's going to be perfect? No. Will the Dems scheme? Yeah, absolutely. Republicans will scheme at local races, too. So you have to have that. You know, right now it looks like it's an overwhelming victory for Republicans, but you can't get complacent with that. You've got to show up. I mean, you have to show up. Um, look oh, at absolutely. What, look at what they're saying about Georgia, right? So this is we, – we warned everybody this is going to happen. I know that we weren't alone. Everybody said this. But Trump went – at one point, he was 45-0 and 0 in endorsed candidates winning primaries, right? 45-0. and 0. And then he lost a couple in Georgia. So when he goes undefeated, Trump-endorsed candidates win, the news media downplays it as not really a big deal, right? But the moment he right. loses a couple of races, it's, see, people are sick and tired of Trump's crap. Uh, it's, you know, he's being rejected and everything else. The reality is that 7% of GOP votes in Georgia were Democrats voting in the Republican ticket because it's an open primary. So Democrats flooded the Republican primary and voted for never Trump Republicans like Kemp. Well, Kemp is already in big trouble. Like they, he's, he's in the middle of a scandal and Democrats want to run against Kemp because they know that Kemp's not popular with the Republican base and he's in the middle of a scandal and they think they can exploit it and win the governorship with Stacey Abrams. That's what they think they can do. So they plotted to go ahead and get Kemp reelected. It wasn't that there was a rejection of Trump by Republicans in Georgia. It was Democrats flooded the Republican primary. So that's a scheme. You know, this is yeah. why I hate open primary states. Open primary states are stupid. I'm sorry. They just are. They're dumb. But, you know, this is this is what uh, what you have to risk when you have one. So, I, I mean, there's nothing you can do until the midterm. You know, you're, you're kind of stuck. But you have to be aware that there's going to be some scheme somewhere, sure. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I have a gut feeling that it's not going to be as simple as everybody thinks it is. Well, but you know, I, polling this far out is never accurate. You know, it's, it, will Republicans take the House? Yeah, they're going to take the House. The question is by how much. Can they take the Senate? Sure, but by how much? And the Senate's a lot closer than people think. So, you know, you can get closer to the election. You're going to see more of this, but you know, it it we'll we'll see. You know, it's the polling this this early usually isn't very accurate. So I don't I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be as big of a a win as you think. I don't think anybody really wants to acknowledge how divided this country is, and that you basically yeah. start off at forty forty each side, and then there's twenty percent that you're just trying to move over to your side, and and that gets very difficult. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, sure. and I love you so. Please stay local as long as you can. <laughs> I appreciate that. Very kind words. Thank you so much. All right. You have a great weekend. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We got more of your phone calls coming up. Once again, the Glass Doctor of Elkhart and St. Joseph County phone line, 574-2595-953. That's 2595-953. Somebody just posted Trump is 106 so far. Yeah. Such a rejection of Trump ideology. He's 106 in his endorsements. We got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. Casey Hendrick.
Midnight on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. I mean, in Wisconsin, I mean, they got weird stuff still happening in Wisconsin. For those of you who don't know, like one of the uh, one of the election board people has just resigned because even after the new evidence was presented, they still they still believe that that Trump lost the state of Wisconsin in spite of, you know, the current investigations going on. So they've just stepped down because they don't want to be a part of it. Uh, you also have the courts in Wisconsin still involved with the Zuckbuck scandal. So Zuckerberg and all of that with what he had done to some of those races. You know, there's a lot that happened to manipulate results and to make it easier to vote in blue areas versus red areas. We've talked about that at length. We've had attorneys general on the program to talk about that as well. Um, so this is this is something that is very, very concerning. But what I can tell you, you know, just going back to what, you know, she was saying is that, look, a lot of states saw how some of the, the rules were changed and or exploited simply because of COVID. Now, that may not be able to happen at any other time. They used COVID as an excuse to do things illegally in Pennsylvania and, and in Arizona and other states. But again, they shored up their elections just so it couldn't happen again. They couldn't use a monkeypox type scenario. By the way, what took so long to declare monkeypox racist? I was waiting for that. I mean, monkey, think about this, okay, ladies and gentlemen. Monkeypox doesn't come from monkeys. And it is almost entirely existent in Africa. So why did it take so long for people to call it racist? They, they finally have. I don't know what the term that they want everybody to use for it, but now finally it's starting to come out that, hey, that's really problematic and racist. So we'll see. We'll see what, uh, what they rename it. But, you know, you, you got the monkeypox situation, and, and they're trying to exploit that and you know, you got, uh, was it uh, Pittsburgh, I think? Pittsburgh went on, no, was it Pittsburgh or Philadelphia? One of the two, like, started masking their kids again. It's just, they're doing everything they can. You know, the real question is, will people buy it? I don't know. Here's what I can tell you. Uh, Republican turnout in the primaries has been insanely high everywhere. So Indiana didn't have a lot, but there wasn't a lot of competition in Indiana. But I'm talking about in states where it's, like, contentious. And there's been a lot of Republican turnout in the primaries. Lots. So it, everything seems to indicate a red wave. But we're still way too far out. Okay, we'll, we'll see what happens as we get closer to it. Because, you know, usually you get closer to it, that tribalist mindset comes right back into play. You go into fight or flight and you vote with your tribe, even if your tribe is evil. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens, folks. To the phone lines we go. Ryan, welcome to the program. Yes, Casey. Hello. Hi. So it works. I'm going to make this really quick. Okay. But I want to go back to the Texas situation. I just find it very, very. I don't understand Democrats with the fact that they're they're taking this whole Texas situation and basically trying to push their own agenda when it comes to gun control. Mm-hmm. I mean, with this bill and everything, trying to stop people from getting guns, that's not going to stop this from happening. No. No, it's not. it's not. And so I don't understand why they're trying to continually push this agenda. Well, because they push it when everybody's emotions are high so they can try and squeeze something through. Because if they do squeeze something through, so for instance, we already pointed out the math on this, all right? To, to, be, killed by, yeah. to be killed by a rifle of any kind, you have 0.0087% chance. There's three zeros after the decimal. 
because almost nobody gets killed with a rifle in this country. You are more likely to be beaten to death with somebody's fists, yet there's a lot of rifles. There's nearly 70 million Americans who own rifles, and there's about four, four to 500 deaths from rifles every year. People don't use rifles to murder. You know, if you wanted to make the case that too many guns are the problem, well, there's, you know, between 400 and 500 million guns in possession of Americans right now, about a trillion rounds of ammo. If if gun owners were a problem, you would know it. But they're not the problem. Oh, yeah, you would. Yeah, you would you know, would it. know it, There isn't an army the in the world that could stand against them. But that's that's just, you know, a basic reality. But if they can get something through, right? If they get yeah. if they can yeah, ban an AR, basically what well, right? Well, here's oh, here's sorry. what they want to do, Ryan. If they ban an AR-15 and AK-47, because almost nobody is is murdered with those weapons, the next couple of years they'll say, well, we ban them, and the murder rate's exactly the same. The same number of people are dying. So now we need to ban semi-automatic guns, which will basically outlaw every handgun, and they, they'll still use this game where we're just banning semi-automatic handguns. We're not banning guns. See, we're not violating your Second Amendment rights. It's just that now everything's black powder and single shot. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do. And then and then they'll I, start sending you to camps and gassing you and all that other stuff. I'm sure they would. I actually I'm sure they would want to do that. That's all a, Democrats that's, care about is pushing their agenda. They're they're basically taking this whole this whole tragic, very tragic situation and right. to push push their agenda out. Yeah. It's, 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 it's I don't use I don't use this term a lot, but it's evil. Yeah. That's that's yeah. all there is to it. You know it. what? I what, what I've been saying a lot recently, and I don't know if I'm able to say this, I, I've been saying demo rats. Demo rats. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Demo rats, democrats. Those are a couple of variations of it. So, yeah. Yep. Adequate. All right, Ryan, I got to run. I'm on a hard break, but I appreciate it. All right. You're All welcome. Right, okay, take care. Bye. All right. We got more open lines coming up in just a couple of minutes. I do want to remind everybody that Truth Social is open for business for everyone. So if you haven't signed up for Truth Social yet, Trump's social media platform, but you want to, go to truthsocial.com. Follow me, at Casey the Host. Do appreciate that. Uh, took us about a week to get to 300 followers. So still got a uh, little ways to go to, to match Facebook, but would really appreciate it if you can go to truthsocial.com and follow me, at Casey the Host. Also go to rumble.com and follow me, at Casey the Host there. Hit that subscribe button so you get notifications. Uh, A lot of people are asking, like, what time does the early show air and stuff like that? Just do yourself a favor. Just download the Rumble app. They made some major updates to it here recently. The app is still in development, but it does work. So download the Rumble app, sign in on the app, and you'll get a notification when I post a video or I go live right there on your phone. You don't have to worry about remembering schedules and things like that, just in case my, my work life and personal life get in the way of me not doing the show at the same time every single day. So again, rumble.com slash Casey the host, truthsocial.com at Casey the host. We got more open lines coming up, 95.3 MNC. Yep. Casey Hendrickson. Hey everybody, Casey Hendrickson here. Wow. Deja vu. It is two days in a row. It's weird. It's okay. Gremlins, that sort of stuff. Um, so I got to tell you about our color consultation with Five Star Painting, and then we'll take more of your phone calls for open lines. So five-star painting, most of you know that we have hired five-star painting to come out. They're going to paint the exterior of our home. They're uh, waiting for the weather to, you know, get appropriate. Now that the weather is appropriate, they're going through their, their work schedule. So in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll have the house painted and stuff like that. But 
Um, and I'll share with you the results and all of that stuff. But what I can do is I can talk to you about the professionalism of five-star painting. It's got over 25 years experience painting houses in the area anyway. Coming out, professionally dressed, have all the proper tools. They're able to show you tons of color samples so you know exactly what you're looking at. They can do a color consultation. We had that done because my wife wanted to go with a different shade of the same color that I wanted to go to, and we weren't really sure um, which one was was going to work for us. So we ended up finding a happy medium because of the color cons uh, consultation that we had. Uh, we figured the brand of paint that we needed, the color of paint that we needed, we were able to find something that made both of us happy. And we were able to do that because the professionals at Five Star Painting came out and they were able to offer us that service, which you can get as well. And you get a free consultation and estimate and you get consultation and everything else is, is all free. But when you mention me, you also get free paint. So if you do end up hiring five-star painting, just by mentioning this show, you get free paint. And right now the price of paint's going through the roof. So it's it's nice to get that little extra savings there just because you're a listener of this show. So go to fivestarpainting.com, fivestarpainting.com. Make your appointment today and mention me to get free paint with your project. Okay, back to the phone lines we go. It is open lines, the Glass Doctor of Elkhart and St. Joseph County phone line, 574-2595-953. Rob, welcome to the program. Yeah, Casey. Hi there. The, the answer to the previous caller's question is because they're totalitarians. That's why they always go capitalize on these situations. Yeah. Yeah, you, you exploit um, the crisis. Yeah, exactly. It's um, exactly. I, I did a totalitarian. Right, I did a show during COVID for my premium subscribers. I did a show explaining the Lenin strategy and then how rules for radicals from Saul Alinsky is is kind of being utilized for the Lenin strategy right now. And all of this dates back to the forty-five communist goals of Cleon Skousen and the Naked Communists in the nineteen fifties. So, um, it's. It's the same playbook. They've used it everywhere around the world, not just here. It's They've used it everywhere. Right. We just got to keep it simple. You got to keep it simple. There you but go. Anyway, the real reason I called, you know, I shamelessly promoted the tractor drive yeah. a couple weeks ago. Uh -huh. We had it last week, raised $4,700 for Indiana Fallen Heroes. Had nice. a good turnout, even though... We, we had some rain a, a little less than two hours before the beginning of the event, being outdoors and everything, so really kind of cut our numbers down. I, I would guess by about half. But, okay. But we're real we're real happy. We raised $4,700 and had a good showing from the Indiana State Police in Melkart County. And so, yep, it was a good time, real well, good time. That's so, good. That's there's good. A positive, there's a positive story for open lines on a day like today. Yeah, absolutely. We could definitely use it. All right, man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yep. All yep. right. Be careful. See you. You bet. Take care. Yeah, forty-seven hundred dollars for uh, for local heroes is great. Don't forget, on June fourth, I will be participating in an event with Freedom System to raise money for local veterans. You can go to freedomsystem.org. You can buy tickets to that event. Uh, we'll have dinner, cocktails, some entertainment, live music. I'll be giving a little speech over there as well, um, which is the least important thing of the entire evening. But uh, you, can, yeah, get your tickets. You can get a table. You can get a ticket for you know a couple or just an individual. Come on out, raise money for veterans. Hang out with us for a little bit and then participate in the silent auction as well, which also just, you know, all that money goes to benefit local veterans here in Michiana. All right, 574 25 95 95 3. Donovan, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon. Hi. 
Um, I want to kind of weigh in on the, the shooting situation. Okay. Um, I was just curious because I know um, if there was a way we could do like a pass the mic type thing where we talk about this situation because um, my view on this has been that we have two sides. Basically, you have the one side that's going to say, well, we got we got to um, take all the guns. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other side that says, come and take them. And I, I think there's a middle ground to this. Not, I'm sure that you probably see that too, right? Well, it depends on what the middle ground is. Right. I mean, you know, it's the middle ground would have to be we're not coming for your guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, right. It would, exactly. it would have to be not any of your guns. It would have that would that's where the middle ground has to be. You can't go that far. Uh, as long as you don't go that far, then there's, there's certainly solutions is the point. That's the thing is, right. is there's exactly. certainly solutions. Right. You know, so yeah, it's well, could we do a pass the mic about it? I don't know. I mean, they could always turn into one. Like we've had, you know, Rich Freeman, uh, Mishawaka FOP president. He's been at past the mics. We've had, you know, long conversations with him. He's a, he's a friend of mine. And we've had other police right. officers at various ones that have gone into some of these some of these situations um, with police shooting and use of force and, you know, kind of explaining to the public why they do some of the holds that they do and, and things of that nature. So it's come up before. We haven't had to do like a special one, but I could always reach out to Rich. Uh, I got to reach out anyway because I get bit by a dog and I forgot to call the officer who's going to have his dog bite me. Um but, you know, I could reach out to him and have him maybe as a guest or something at a pass the mic, and, and we could put it out there for people to come and, and talk to law enforcement and get their perspective on this. Right. I mean, but I know I lots of cops like locally. I just I just know that he speaks on these yeah. things quite frequently. Yeah, I don't know. Like, to get teachers together, uh, law enforcement, even pastors. I mean, trying to get something to where we have the discussion. Yeah, because I said, there, I know there's a middle ground on this. Well, and I, I, guys, you said don't not yeah. to take the guns, but yeah, it, you just you got to get to a point where you're going to actually look at you know things that will fix the problem and not political posturing. That's the thing, you know. That's right. that's unfortunately been the right. rub, um, and that's yeah, that's a hard thing to find. You know, it, here's here's the thing though. I, I would assume Donovan that the people who would show up to that event are all going to be like minded, and that anybody who's not like minded will avoid it like the plague. That's just typically what happens, right? So. You know, what what actually gets accomplished from that? I don't know. I'm happy to try, but I don't know if it'll, right. it'll do anything. Okay. All right, All right ma'am. I'll, I'll look. I'll speak to the I'll speak to the staff about it. We got a few weeks before we're putting up the next one, so we can always uh, you know poke around and, and see what we can do. Okay. All right, ma'am. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. You bet. Five seven four twenty five ninety five ninety five three. Dwayne, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon, Casey. Hey, I'm just calling. You had a guy on earlier that was talking about the police there in uh, at the shooting site. Yeah, and I couldn't. I I just disagreed with him that the police. Uh, um, you take an oath to protect and to serve. Mm-hmm. Okay, and why they were held up, and you know, in, in good conscience, how could they possibly? hold back that's the question 
Yeah, that's the I question. I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling to me. You know, I don't you know, know if you're if you're aware of this, Dwayne, but we were just talking about this during the commercial break on the live stream, but Governor Abbott was just giving a press conference and Governor Abbott said, "I am I am angry. I'm oh, furious man. at the police response here. I was misled about what they did." And like we yeah. all were. I mean, we all saw the press conference that, "Hey, we were on scene yeah. 4 minutes after the first shot." And it's like, you know, stop telling us that we weren't here. We were here. But yeah, you didn't do anything for an hour. That's the problem. And just, just you, yeah, so there's there's a lot. And in, to his point, there are certain situations where, you know, law enforcement can make a decision, a, a tactical decision that would save more lives. OK, you can, oh, yeah, you can do that. that. I, I sure. think I think that's kind of what he was referencing. But, you know, ultimately, you're responsible for your own safety. Now, that doesn't help children because children can't be responsible no. for their own safety. No, um, and just 40 minutes of carnage going on, you know, and or however long he was shooting. But yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and the police chief is gone. Up. You know, the police chief is gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah. see if the chief faces any charges for, for any of this. I don't know that there is any charges that could be filed. I'm just referencing the Parkland case where the resource officer was charged. So I, yeah. I don't know. But the police chief gave the order not to go in. And, and that's I had heard that's the sad too part. that there were some federal people there. Yep. Um, a mother was trying to get in to get her daughter. We talked about her earlier. Yep, she was detained by marshals. Yep. Yeah, and then another guy, you know, yep. who they did finally get in. But um, there was another guy that called in, and I'll make this real quick. Um, talked about school safety, and I totally and I thought of it before. Totally agree. It wouldn't cost the school system a dime. But retired vets, retired police officers, um, and that could be coordinated on the outside perimeter where there's two and they overlap, you know. And I, I but that that would be that would be a freeway. Uh, the school systems could protect, help to protect our kids, you know. Yeah, this is brought up after every shooting. You know, there, there's things that can be done, and one of the reasons I brought up earlier this week that I brought up Ukraine. Yeah. So we sent $40 billion to Ukraine. That's about 400 yeah. grand for every elementary school, K through 12, not just elementary, excuse me, yeah. K through 12 school in yeah. the U.S. That's 400 grand for them to shore up their security, which is way more than they would ever need. $400,000 per school is way more than they would ever need for shoring up building security at any one of these schools, unless you're getting hosed by a contractor who's ripping them off. And yeah. You know, that's the basic steps here. I'm staring at this article. I'll, if I have time today, I'll go into it. Because remember, there was a, a whole thing that was done, a whole study on what needed to be done after Virginia Tech. And 15 years yeah. after that report came out, you know, there, not a lot of schools have done what was recommended. And that's the sad truth. It really is. So, all right, man, I got to roll, but I appreciate well, the call. And, you know, these guys, these volunteers would need to be properly vetted, you know, I mean, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Anyhow, okay, Casey, thank you for your time. You take care. Yeah, Yeah. nobody's suggesting just, you know, people on the streets and stuff like that. All right, we got more open lines coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey. And I'm John Zimney. And thanks to all our current military members on this Memorial Day weekend holiday. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Once again, the glass doctor of Elkhart and St. Joseph County phone line, 574-2595-93. To the phone lines we go. Ty, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Casey? Doing well, man. What's up? So I got two things. Okay. One uh, is kind of a question, and the other one's more of a statement. All right. But... Uh, 
this whole like debate about what's going on with law enforcement about the duty to act and all that stuff. I'm a correctional officer, mm-hmm. and which is not obviously law enforcement. It's not police, but it is law. It is law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So we routinely, routinely get wrote up if we interact in a in a in a offenders fighting. Okay. We are told to stand by for backup to come there to make sure the odds are even. Well, as even as they can get because we have weapons. Sure. Or, or not weapons. Yeah, not I got lethals. you. Okay. But we get rolled up. I got rolled up three times in the first year working at the prison because I intervened with when offenders pulled shanks out on each other. Hmm. So this, like, I get it. I don't condone the actions of a, any anyone who wears walks the line of whether it's blue, gray, or green. You need to, you volunteered to put your life online at all times. So they should probably have just responded the best way possible. I get it. Also with the fact as uh, with the last couple of years, how do you think the morale of law enforcement is so far down that do you think they want to put their life on the line for an ungrateful community? No matter, no matter what the situation is. This is such a great point. This was made a little bit earlier on my, my live stream because you, we have, Law enforcement now that is hesitant to act because everything that they do is scrutinized and punished. And, yeah, yeah. There, there's there's going to be a part. Now, you would assume and you would hope that that wouldn't be the case when we're dealing with kids. But at the same time, there's no doubt that that is permeated throughout the law enforcement community. We know from research, they've done research and polling on this since Michael Brown, that law enforcement is hesitant to react in certain situations just because of that. So I think that that's a real factor here that has to be added in here. You know, the AOCs and and uh, the squads and that sort of stuff of our political system are more responsible for this type of apprehension than anything dealing with, you know, the Second Amendment or firearms or the NRA or what have you. There's no doubt about that, yeah. but they want to acknowledge that. Yeah, I, like I said, I routinely get in trouble at work because I, I've, I've intervened in so many different uh, offender-on-offender fights, whether shanks were involved, blunt objects, Locking the side, you know, all this stuff, because I was told I put my life in danger for for offenders and wait, yeah. didn't wait for backup. And I was like, well, first off, my primary job is safety and security of the facility, which entails safety and security of the the populace at large. Right. So, yeah, I like I get I get the frustration with law enforcement that why didn't they act and blah 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 and why did it take one one agent to. Uh, rush in there and you know what i I commend i probably would i can't guarantee you i would have been that guy but i've been spent 15 years in the military downrange i've ran into gunfire headfirst for years now that i think i i could have been i would have been one of those guys that would have reacted that way but my thing is that everyone's so overly critical that they don't take a step back and realize that they're they're they have jobs they have careers they have lives they have families now they're get, now they have to deal with ungrateful population that no matter what they choose they always choose the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah, and, and as more information comes out about why the delay happened, and you know, I'm I'm willing to bet there was probably some colorful language when that tactical team from the border patrol got there. Is why in the world has nobody gone in yet? But I don't know. Um, yeah. If nothing else, the you know the way that that police department operates has got to be adjusted. It's just it's too slow. You know, and, and we yeah. see this a lot. It's one of the reasons we we're just talking about this during the break, uh, because, you know, I grew up law enforcement, actual police officers who were armed to the teeth were always in my school. Every door locks, metal detectors going in, coming out. 
you know, every internal door locks, all of this stuff that we don't see here. And I grew up with all of that. And you don't, even though I, I come from a violent city with a very violent school district, you don't hear about a lot of mass shootings at Las Vegas schools. They're outside of the school. They're in the neighborhood around the school, but they're not in the school. And that's because it's very difficult to get into that school. And you see a lot of these smaller communities, Parkland, you, you got Uvalde, you know, these are small communities. And I think that they're getting that, that, you know, sleepy town sort of comfortableness that they, they probably shouldn't have because that's where these all seem to happen. And they're going to have to get over that. And they're going to have to just take basic steps and protect their buildings. You know, if, if that door wasn't propped open, this, who knows, this kid doesn't get in, you know, right. it, it's, it's crazy. I 100% agree, and like I, like I said, it, it just it, it's mind-boggling. And my comment I have is basically, it's funny how one week my body, my choice, next week anything to save our kids. There you go. Except hard security. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's every position they have contradicts another position. Every single one. Sure. All right, all right, Ty. Good talking to you, man. All right, take care. Yep. All right, five seven four twenty five ninety five ninety five three. Ed, welcome to the program. Yes. Hello, Casey. Hi there. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just want to make a mention. Uh, you've already hit on, on some of the solutions, uh, but I, I want to ask a, a rhetorical question. How many times in the last, since, since uh, I don't know, uh, part, was that, wake, not, that, one, that one out in Colorado with those lunatics? Yeah. How many times has the police station... Yeah, how many times has a police station, other than in the Terminator, has been uh, attacked? And why not? Because they know there are guns in there. Sure. You know, to, to quote a, 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 an old tired saying, "Who a good guy with a gun can take on a bad guy with a gun. Yep. So I think the answer is very, very obvious and clear. You just simply arm these uh, institutions like we have done with uh, – uh, the airplanes, we don't have any hijackings anymore. And uh, why? Because they know that there are armed uh, marshals in there somewhere. They don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, an armed person, knowledge of an armed person is certainly a deterrent. And uh, taking away guns is the least of, is the least effective thing to do. So I think the answer is just clearly to go ahead and spend the money that the government should have should spend on arming these institutions and not and instead of taking uh, instead of uh, spending our money on other ridiculous things that yep. they do but uh, that's my feeling it's, right. it's, the solution is very very obvious that's that's just it. it is it's an easy solution that isn't being done and you have to wonder why you have to wonder why all right Ed, i appreciate the call ma'am thank you much like I said, you know, every you go into every every city building, you know, every government building, they're protected by armed people. You go to the airport, armed people. You, you go to most places that deal with travel, armed people. It's the one place where they don't want to do that is is kids. The one place where we don't do the basic security measures that we do everywhere else that we perceive as being vulnerable to an attack. It's only at schools we don't do it. And at some point, like I said, you, you have to put the tinfoil on. You have to ask, is it because they want things to happen at schools? There's, At some point, you have to ask the question, why don't we protect our kids the same way we protect our mayors and our city councilmen? Got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. 
This is Michiana's breaking news and weather station. The first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, truthsocial.com is... Excuse me, I get the hiccups again. I get the hiccups like every day now. Go to truthsocial.com. They are open for everybody now. So you don't need to have an iPhone or anything like that. You can go to truthsocial.com, create an account, sign in. Please follow me at Casey the Host. Also subscribe on Rumble at Casey the Host. I want to appreciate everybody who called today. They're totally not coming for your kids. Not at all. Not coming for your kids. So why is the Camp Alindo High School sending students home? This is in California. Why are they sending students home with an assignment? It's a worksheet asking them about their level of comfort with particular graphic sexual acts. Anybody? Now, let's, let's be perfectly honest, folks. Let's just say you have, oh, I don't know, an attractive teenage daughter. She's in high school. And the 20-something male teacher has sent a worksheet home with her asking her what sexual activities she really enjoys. How do you react to that? How does any parent naturally react to something like that happening? Isn't it weird how we don't react to it when it's a female teacher? Kind of interesting, right? So the worksheet has students classify their comfort with various sex acts um, that are named very specifically, which I can't really go into right now, uh, but just understand that it's very detailed. Not comfortable to somewhat comfortable to very comfortable using a 1 to 10 scale. Now, what, what possible educational reason What possible educational reason is there to send a worksheet home with students asking them what sexual activities they like and don't like? What's the possible educational value there? Anybody? I'm waiting. There's got to be somebody out there going, oh, Casey, this is not a big deal. There's got to be somebody out there who thinks that this is okay and that this is appropriate and can provide me with an example of any educational value here to ask students if they like or don't like very specific sexual acts. Anyone? Didn't think so. So um, who is this that wrote this article here? Yosef Gunderson asks, what lesson is being taught? What are the students learning from divulging this information to teachers? And why does the school assume the students are engaging in sexual activities or have engaged in various specific activities at a minimum or at a minimum have contemplated it. The only thing that I can think of is that it provides disgusting, perverted teachers with information to target children. Other than that, I don't see why this is necessary. Yeah, that that's what it would seem like to uh, pretty much anybody. Like I said, you, if you have an attractive teenage daughter at home, she goes to high school or junior high school or whatever, and there's uh, you know a male teacher, probably young male teacher, sending this home, You know exactly how you're going to react to that. And that is a normal, natural, and dare I say, healthy reaction to something like this. What is the 
possible reason that you could be sending a worksheet home asking what sexual activities high school students like. If it isn't to build some kind of an internal database that you have about what students like to do and which students like to do the things that you like to do. Because that seems to be the only reason that this would even come up. Wouldn't it be something if they shared this with the class? Wouldn't that be something? Or do they just turn in the worksheet to the teacher? Here, teacher, here's all of my my uh, my desired sexual activities. Here, just uh, keep it to yourself, please. Don't share it in the teacher's lounge or with anybody else on your uh, your message forms in the dark web. Some parents were also suing Apple, alleging that their son suffered permanent hearing loss after ear-shattering amber alerts blasted through the AirPods. I still don't get the AirPod thing. I'm sorry, I just don't. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. My ears are weird. Uh, earbuds don't really stay in them. I don't get the ear the AirPod thing. Uh, let's see. Amber alerts, which typically come through, is very very loud. Anyway, uh, well, apparently when they come through um, an AirPod, it's like super loud. So if you're already listening to music at an elevated level, but not hurting yourself, when the Amber Alert comes on, apparently it's it's really bad. A 14 year old boy in Texas. Uh, is uh, now he and his parents are suing Apple, alleging that the ear-shattering noise caused him permanent hearing loss because the Amber Alert came through the uh, the earbuds and had not been norm that the volume hadn't been normalized. Wow, I didn't even think about that. So another reason not to get Apple. More coming up. Ninety-five-three MNC. Casey. Weekday mornings, 5 till 9, on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Uh, well, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I want to. I just want to say thank you. I've been patient with me this week. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's been kind of going on in my personal life. It's been kind of a wreck, so um, I appreciate the the patience. I know that I haven't really had the energy this week that that normally did. It was already already kind of rough, and then the shooting happened, and that just made it that much worse. And I think a couple of you kind of felt that. Appreciate the uh, listener dropping off the energy drink for me. I know I joked about the flavor of it, but thank you seriously. It was very kind of you to do that. Um, so it's it's been a rough week, and I know that for a lot of you. Going into the weekend, with it being Memorial Day, it's going to be a lot more rough. So just do yourself a, do yourself a favor. For those of you who are going to be, you know, remembering people this weekend, take deep breaths, remember them fondly, all of the good memories. You know, have a have a drink and toast them, whatever that drink might be. Uh, for those of us out there uh, who are going to be toasting our fallen brothers and sisters, we'll be doing that as well. And like I said, it's just uh, keep the families of the fallen in your prayers this weekend. It's a it's a tough week. Tough week for families and loved ones of those who, who fall in the line of duty. So do yourself do yourself a favor. Go easy on yourself if you're one of those individuals. And if you happen to be around those folks, make sure you give them your love and your support so this weekend is just a little bit easier for them to get through. And remember all of the good things that those individuals did in service of this country and their community. We'll see you all next week, folks. Be safe. Bill O'Reilly here. The O'Reilly Up. 